So we pick up today in the gospel right where we left off last Sunday. And it's a dramatic scene in St. Luke's gospel, the way that he tells it. That Jesus has grown up in Nazareth. This is his hometown. He's the hometown boy. He's going to his synagogue. So basically think of like the church where you grew up. He stands up to read the reading, just like our lectors did today. And Jesus reads the reading. In fact, he looks for a particular passage, the passage from Isaiah that talks about the anointed one of the Lord, the Messiah, and his mission. He says, the Lord has anointed me, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year of favor by our God. It's a prophecy from like seven, eight hundred years before, and the people have been waiting, have been longing for the one who would fulfill those words. And Jesus reads those words, and he rolls up the scroll, he sets it down, and he says, today... This scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Mic drop, right? It's like the hugest thing imaginable for him to say. Today, those words that you just heard from the prophet Isaiah 800 years ago talking about the coming of Messiah, they're fulfilled today. In other words, I'm the one the prophet was talking. I am the Messiah here in your midst. So then today we pick up and we hear how Jesus' hometown responded to one of their own being the Messiah, being the promised one of God that the nation of Israel had been waiting for for centuries. How they respond. Now, there's two ways that I think people can respond when someone famous or someone from your town becomes famous, right? Sometimes you go, I don't know if you guys, like, you, you, we drive through a lot of small towns in Texas, right? Sometimes you drive into a town and they're like, home of the 1967 Spelling Bee champion. <laughs> it's like, great. Like, does it get free meals at the Mexican restaurant? Like, what, 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 you, what does it get for that? Like, great. Okay. People are really proud sometimes of like the littlest things, like someone from our town made it. Like, yeah, we won the state championship back in the day. Like nobody was, nobody's even alive anymore who remembers it. But it was a big deal and we're proud of it because it was our town, it's our thing. That's one way people can react. Or what happened to Jesus, people can say, who does he think he is? We know him. Isn't that the carpenter's son? That's what they're saying. They say, wait, like, that's the guy from down the street. We remember him. Like, we have a table that he made that we eat breakfast on every morning in our house. Like, yeah, I know his family. And somebody else is like, oh, man, is that the kid in first grade who did that thing? Remember that? That was really funny. Like, they've known him all these years. He's grown up with them. He's one of them. And now he's saying that he's the Messiah and it's just too much for them. You can already hear where their hearts and their minds are going. And Jesus picks up on it. And he leans into it. 
And so how does love react to that? To being rejected by the people that he grew up with, the people that have known him, have loved him for years. Now that he's announcing the beginning of his mission, that he's telling them who he is and what he intends to do. And they start to say, man, who does this guy think he is? Jesus is love incarnate. He is the manifestation, the in flesh and blood of God's love. And so what does love do in a situation like that? It's like a practical example for us. Because we heard in the second reading, didn't we, the description that St. Paul gives us of what love is. It's one of the most awesome texts in all of the Bible. What love is. I want you to listen again just to this little part of the reading. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. See, our translation in English, we get a lot of adjectives, patient, kind, not jealous, not rude. In Greek, every single one of those is a verb. It's a verb. It's what love does, how it acts, what it looks like in flesh and blood, acted out, acted upon. This is what love does. The classic definition of love that we have from our Catholic tradition is that love wills the good of the other. So it's seeking and desiring the other person's good. Seeking and desiring the other person's good. And not just like wanting good for them so that they can still kind of do something good for me. Sometimes we play that little game. But actually desiring good for them, period. St. Paul says that's what love does. In other words, it's not worried about itself. It's entirely focused on the other. Notice how one thing that St. Paul never says is that love is a feeling. Love means having like nice feelings in your heart towards the person. No. He says it's kind. It's not rude. It's not quick-tempered. But he tells us what love does. And so Jesus, let's back, go back to Jesus in the synagogue. He's there and he's told them who he is. He's told them what he intends to do. And they're saying, who is this guy? Who does he think that he is? What does Jesus do? He doesn't, doesn't seek its own interests. Love doesn't seek its own interests. So he's not like his feelings hurt. He doesn't get all self-righteous and say like, listen here guys, like, let me tell you a few things. He's not like, man, you guys are hurting my feelings man, you know, you guys are just dumb, like throw the scroll down and walk out, right? He doesn't throw a temper tantrum, love's not quick-tempered, doesn't brood over injury, so he's not like, okay, I'm going to remember this, see if I can do any miracles for you guys, huh, right? 
That's what we would do. That's what I would do. Right? It's not what Jesus does. It's not what love does. It's not pompous. It's not inflated. He's not there for his own ego. But love also, St. Paul says, it rejoices with the truth. Love rejoices with the truth. And so Jesus doesn't just walk away. He leans into it. And he starts to tell them some really challenging truths. That no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. That God's people all throughout their history have kind of a bad habit of going against him. It's what the Bible calls hardness of heart. Where you're like, okay, let's see. Like, come on. Let's see if you can do anything for me. Hardness of heart. And so it says actually that Jesus is not able to work miracles when people have that hardness of heart. And so Jesus gives them two examples from their scriptures where God goes outside of Israel, outside of his chosen people to do a miracle, to do something great, to show them that his love is limitless, that it's boundless. Jesus is doing this, why? Not to shame them, not just to make them angry, although that's what it does, but he does it because he's love. Love rejoices with the truth. And love rejoices with the truth even when it's hard, even when it's going to upset people. In fact, they're so upset that they try to kill him. They haul him out and they try to throw him off the hill. It's an amazing thing. It gives us kind of a view into what kind of a person Jesus was. Because sometimes we make Jesus all like sentimental and nice, right? Jesus was the kind of person that when a mob tried to push him over a cliff, there was something about him that he was able to just pass through their midst. He's love incarnate. And love that doesn't seek its own good, but seeks the good of the other, has power. It has power. And evil can't stand in the face of love that truly seeks the good of the other. So Jesus isn't afraid to speak the truth to them. Why? Because he wants to crack open their hearts that are hard, that are rejecting him. He wants them to see the truth of their ways so they can repent, so they can receive him, so they can receive the healing and the freedom and the recovery of sight to the blind that he proclaimed that he's all about. That's what Jesus desires, that's what God desires. And love rejoices with the truth. So Jesus isn't afraid to say the truth when it's hard. Many of you may have heard that just a couple of days ago on Thursday, January 31st, it was a tough day in our diocese for the churches, uh, the church throughout Texas, the 15 dioceses in our state. Our Bishop Joe Vasquez, along with the bishops of all of the other dioceses in Texas, decided to do something really difficult. And he released a list of the names of priests and deacons and religious who have been credibly accused of sexual abuse against a minor for the last 70 years, since 1950. 
He published the list. It's out there. It's on the website. And Bishop said, this is a sad thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do. But why do we do that? Why did he do that as our shepherd, as our father? Did it because love rejoices with the truth? Even when the truth is hard, the truth needs to be made known. And he said, first and foremost, because we care about the victims. Because we as a church want to communicate that we are committed to the healing of victims of abuse. That we're committed to healing. That we want to accompany them on the path to healing. And so Bishop wanted to communicate and wants to communicate to all of you that we as a church and he as our shepherd is committed to transparency, to accountability. Why? Because love rejoices with the truth. And love speaks the truth even when it's difficult. See, we as a church too often have not done what St. Paul says. St. Paul says, love does not seek its own interests. The leaders of our church too often in the past, we worried about our own good. We sought our own interests as the institution of the church. And forgot about the people who are the church. And Bishop said, that can't happen anymore. We're committed to the truth. And we want to communicate the message really loud and clear that sexual abuse is not going to be tolerated in our diocese, most especially by her leaders, by those who are meant to be shepherds and spiritual fathers. And Bishop apologized. He apologized on behalf of those clergy who sin so greatly against God's children. He asks for forgiveness. He asks for your and for my forgiveness for the failings of the church. This is what love does. It's not afraid to speak the truths that are hard. And Bishop did this, and he wanted especially to communicate to all of you today that we as a church need your help. We need your help in this path of healing, of purifying our church, of accompanying those who have experienced abuse, those whose hearts are broken in any way. That's what we as a church should be about. This conference of going to the heights, striving for holiness, that's how healing comes in the church. It's through all of us striving for holiness together. Many of you have experienced one of the most awesome parts of this weekend is the confessions, the opportunity to celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation. What is that? It's love rejoicing with the truth. And the truth that begins with saying, this is where I messed up. This is where I have sinned. This is where I've failed God. No excuses, no justification, no minimizing it. This is how I messed up. I failed. But reconciliation is also love rejoicing in the truth because God says, I know that and I see that. And you're a lot more to me than those things that you did. You're my beloved child. And you're worth the blood of the Son of God. And I've redeemed you and I call you by name and you are mine. And I don't want sin to have power over you. Jesus came to let the oppressed go free. And so praise God, many of you this weekend experienced that. Of love rejoicing with the truth as you spoke the truth. And God spoke the truth over you. Through the words of his priest. Love rejoices with the truth.
Some of you had the opportunity to also receive some pastoral care, even outside of the sacrament of reconciliation, to spend some time receiving more deeply that healing, or maybe having some answers, some light shed on questions you're struggling with. This is what we as a church are about, is that love rejoices with the truth. And we want to speak the truth even when it's difficult because that's the way to healing. It's the way forward. Guys, we live in a culture that has all kinds of wrong ideas about what love is. That word gets thrown around all the time. But never in the way that St. Paul describes it. Love rejoices with the truth. It seeks the good of the other. It doesn't seek its own interests. We have a culture that is deathly afraid of the truth, especially when it's hard, when it means I have to change something, when it means that someone might be upset, someone's feelings might be hurt. And again, we're called not to be rude, to speak with love, to speak with kindness, with a concern for the other person. But if we really are concerned for the other person, we have to not be afraid to speak the truth and to say, I love you and I want to walk with you towards that truth. That's what we as a church should be about. Love rejoices with the truth. Brothers and sisters, you all are the church. The church is not just the pope, the bishops, the priests, people who sit up here, right? The church is you and it's us. It's all of us together. We need you. The world needs you to show them what love is because we've forgotten about it. The world doesn't know what love is because we so, see so few examples of it lived out. Jesus continues to do what he announced that day on the synagogue in Nazareth in his hometown. He continues that mission and it continues through his church. It continues through you and through me taking to heart those words. God says, before you were born, I knew you. And I dedicated you, I gave you a mission. To go and be a prophet to the nations. To proclaim with your life, with your words and your actions. That love is everything. Love rejoices with the truth. Love never fails. That's the love that you and I were made by the love that we're made for, and it's the love that the world so desperately needs. Let's ask Jesus, who is love incarnate, love in the flesh, to transform our hearts today so that we as individuals, we as a church, can be the love that rejoices with the truth.